Welcome to the Roadrunner Exchange, a show that features leaders from Metropolitan State University of Denver discussing the projects, initiatives, and decisions impacting our campus community. I am your host, Dr. Samuel Jay, Director of Faculty Affairs and Associate Professor of Communication Studies. Today I talk with Christina Faust and Nicole Predke, co-facilitators of the upcoming Community Engaged Service Learning Faculty Learning Community. We discuss what service or experiential learning really is, as well as the benefits of this approach to pedagogy for faculty, students, and community partners. Hope you'll enjoy. I've hit record. So don't, oh, don't, have? yes, don't <laughs> give away anything yet. Okay. We're, already, no, we're already sharing no, the love about this yes, combination. Yes, that's right. Yes, that's yes, right. Yes. It's, it's the sound it's should the, be good when you talk. Just talk directly into check, it. Okay. It will be good. Check, um, check. Today, I always say this when we start these, that I'm very excited <laughs> about my guests, right? But I yeah. genuinely mean it. I genuinely mean it. Um, uh, uh, Nicole, you got to pronounce your last name for me, so I don't mess Predke. up. Predki. Predki. So yeah, just, it's pre- yeah, it's uh, you know actually it's Polish. It's actually Prętki, but okay. right, it's Predki. So you're gonna make me pronounce it like no, that? No, I won't. Okay. And it's Christina Faust. Predke. Just you know, Christina was my professor. Are you in, joking? In my PhD no. program. No. Oh my gosh. No. Yeah, no. for real. This is yes. beautiful. For yeah. real. Yeah. Look at us. Look at us. It's like that. It's like that Paul Rudd gif. Look. Look at us. Who who would have thought it? Look at us. I feel like a little left out personally. So, I know. But at least now I get to work with Christina, so we're, we're, we're connected. You yeah. are. You are. Yeah, and now we're connected it. forever. I'm very excited about this conversation, though, because we're going to talk about some things that I have been directly involved in from throughout my career at MSU Denver. Uh, that's experiential learning and a bunch of other stuff. And you explained to me that they're very different. So I'm excited for those definitions. But my question for you two is, how did you get to know each other? really through Bridget Arend in the CTLD um, because both of us had, or I, I, can't, I don't want to speak for you, Nicole, although. You, you know, know the background, so you can speak. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, we, I think each of us independently had mentioned to Bridget in conversation um, that we both are huge believers in experiential okay. service learning, community engagement. Yeah. Um, that we really think that MSU Denver is, I, I'm pretty new here, so I would yeah. use the, the term poised or on the precipice of this kind of explosion, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, positive mm-hmm. explosion yes. in terms of community partnerships and all that we could be doing. Okay. Um, and then come to find out, I think that it's not just like poised for that, but has been doing that as an institution mm-hmm. already without necessarily having the vocabulary or accounting for it. And so after talking to Bridget, um, she put the two of us together and we're like, heck yeah, we're gonna do a faculty learning community. Let's go. What's your experience with this stuff then? Like you- I love all of this. I think this is a natural progression. I come from a field, a dance. I teach dance here. Dance is experiential all the time. Mm-hmm. We learn by doing. It's just yeah. the way that we think. It's the way that we look at things. Yeah. And so when I taught classes that weren't movement-based and we were doing other things, mm-hmm. it didn't make sense for me not to take action with my students, mm-hmm. not to be engaged with one another, but engaged in the whole community that surrounds us. Yeah. We also have this amazing partnership with Cleo Parker Robinson uh-huh. Dance. Yeah. They do so much work in the community. Yeah. So our pathways were already set, right? Right. there so it seems silly not to do it it's a very natural progression 
I also worked for AmeriCorps okay. when I was oh. in grad school, and yeah, so cool. it, it, that background fed yeah. into it as well. Before we get into kind of all that, but what's your background, first of all? Right, We had to introduce you because not everybody knows who Dr. Christina Faust is, right, <laughs> and Dr. Nicole Predke, but let's, okay, so what, what's your background? What got you here? Um, so I study rhetoric, power, and social change. Mm-hmm. Um, most notably in the context of social movements and environmental communication. Mm -hmm. The majority of my community engaged work has been interfacing environmental justice, environmental education in the wake of um, environmental injustice and catastrophe um, that we're experiencing in different intensities Mm -hmm. um, and different levels, of course, according to social identities, locations, etc. Are you still doing that work now? I mean, I know, you know, 10 years ago, but like what's what's going on now? I guess. Um, So I think now the the partnership that um, I've been grateful to cultivate with Denver Public Schools Mm -hmm. sustainability team Um, is really starting to ramp up a bit after the climate justice resolution that was passed by um, the Students for Climate Action, which is a group of, I think, all high school students, at least now high school students, Mm -hmm. um, presented to the DPS board, and they have affirmed it. And over the summer, DPS has undertaken a series of stakeholder meetings um, to with seven different pillars of sustainability um, to see how they're going to really put this plan into action okay. um, for the students, the teachers, staff, families, neighbors. So it's it's a really exciting time. It sounds like it. Yeah. It sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, we can jump. I, I want to hear more about that because I'm very interested. Maybe it's off mic, but I, that's, yeah. That's off. Congrats, by the way, that this is yeah. happening. That's fantastic. Yeah. Amazing work. That's so cool, right? Yeah. And so what about cool. you? How, how, how'd you get here? How, that's a big question. Yeah. I mean, how did I get no. here to MSU right now? Right no, here, to, the, right? to the room, to the to office. The, I walked really quickly. I'm just going to shave these in for everybody that I'm very excited yeah. about yeah. for yeah. the show in October. <laughs> anyway, how did I get here? Um, with regard to serves, oh, again, I already explained, I'm a dancer. Yeah. I learn by doing. I'm a kinesthetic learner. Most of the students I work with are the same. We okay. learn by doing. We learn by experience. Um, and then we have this relationship with Cleo Parkers. But I think, um, you know what's so fun? I told I'm, I was an environmental science major. Oh, wow. Yeah, I worked in a laboratory. Isn't that funny? See? Yeah. We're meant to yeah. be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I think so. Anyway, that's another story. Um, what really... Um, even catalyzes my need for experiential and community-engaged learning and service learning is the power of movement. It's the power of dance. It's being in so many different classrooms and environments in different places. You see what happens when people move together. Um, You don't see people frowning. It breeds the sense of community. It breeds the sense of trust, of Mm -hmm. understanding, of compromise, creativity, all of this stuff. And that, to me, is Mm. so inspiring. And if we can bring that into a classroom, you know, what we've learned through dance, but, you know, translated into more generalized language through experiential Mm -hmm. learning, then, my goodness, I think we'd be much better off as a world. I love it. Now let's get yeah. into what they mean. 
Right. I think it's really <laughs> important, right? I think yes. most of us, as you had pointed right. out, as faculty think it's all the same, right? We're just going to combine same. it together. Right, right. What is the difference and why does it matter? So it's all you. I know you prepared. <laughs> You're up. <laughs> well, I mean, I and I think that we we intentionally chose the the moniker of community engaged and service learning or have one of those like fancy little slashes between them yeah. um, mm-hmm. for the for the FLC uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, yes. that we're that we're uh, doing with the CTLD. Oh, it's, not real. <laughs> it's not real unless you have at least three acronyms. So we, we've nailed it. We have. Yeah. We have. You're there. You're there. We're the there. box is checked. <laughs> yes. But we um, we we do see that they're used interchangeably a lot of times by faculty, mm-hmm. right? And so want to honor. Um, the terminology mm-hmm. that people use um, just in their own daily practice and yeah. work. But um, I would consider both community engaged and service learning to be underneath the broader umbrella of experiential learning, okay. which I think Nicole has explained quite well okay. um, from the form of dance. Yeah. And, and I think the just to underscore here, the power of bringing together um, intellectual, creative, emotional, social, and physical aspects of ourselves, okay. right? That is something that's really crucial to why this is such an effective learning tool. Yes. That's, and, and the experiential model is deeply contrasting with what a critical pedagogy would call the banking model Mm -hmm. of education, Mm -hmm. right? Where we're just going to speak forth our truth and deposit it like we were the bankers putting it in the vault of the student to be brought out at their, Mm -hmm. you know, time. And of course, you know, kind of building on this collaborative idea that Nicole is articulating really well, um, we know that learning doesn't take place best in those forms, nor is learning transformative when it is just individuals regurgitating what a professor professed to them. Um. (laughs) I never thought about that. A professor professed it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very old way of thinking. Yeah. But that's where, is that where the name came from? I'm not sure. But that's what it was, professor, the person who professes the, wow, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mind-blowing. Right? I know. Yeah, sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm getting... Right? I don't know, but it's, it's inappropriate. It's, be. it's yeah. not true. No, no, no. It's, right? It's, but yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if there's... I'm know. having a really funny flashback to being an undergrad at Kansas State University yeah. in my first general studies course in psychology, and the dude shows up in full regalia on the first day okay. and was, like, totally embracing and performing that identity of the professor, right? And that whole class was just filled with lectures and filled with multiple choice tests. Yeah. And even though it was something that I nerded out and you know excelled at, right. looking back on uh, what other possibilities exist, it's like yeah. I would so much rather be in that collaborative space, um, getting the learning of the full self in that experiential learning. What does that do for, okay, I, mean, I want to talk about students, right? We'll talk about retention and all that because I'm very fascinated with that. But what does this kind of experience do for faculty, for pedagogy? Mm. How does it make us better in the classroom? I can speak to this. I can start. As, yeah. Yes. Um, 
The hardest part of being a professor, which I don't like that word anymore, actually, not that I'm thinking about it more and more, is getting students engaged. Mm -hmm. yeah. But a lot of that is building confidence in them that they know what they're talking about. And yes, we may transmit some information, but that information is just an initial foundation for them to build upon. Mm -hmm. When we talk about experiential learning, you're bringing in the entire individual into the room. You're yeah. appreciating the student for who they are, mm -hmm. their background, their ideas, their self-interest, their yep. communities. Yes. You're bringing that to the table and you're allowing them to use those things as tools to mm -hmm. build upon this foundation that you're trying to relay. Mm -hmm. So it ends up being more of a guide, but then they don't need you anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's the point of education. Right. Yeah. We don't want them to need us anymore. Right. We want to relay enough information and really just say, you're doing great. Use whoever you are, what you are, what you know, your amazing self, your ideas to do something with this information, yeah. right? And so as a professor, that's why it's helpful because this kind of model supports the individuals. They're engaged. It makes your job easier yeah. mm -hmm. in some ways, right? And you're trying to build intrinsically motivated individuals because yeah. that's what pushes things forward. Yeah. Why, it, to me, when you're yeah. talking about this, there is a vulnerability that this, these practices are really kind of teaching or reteaching. Why is it, Dr. Faust, that we are, from, from, from this research and this kind of FLC that everybody will engage and learn uh, about, what is it about higher ed, about academia, that kind of washes away that vulnerability. You know, I think we mm -hmm. see it in grad school, we see it in undergrad school, you know, we, we learn from others who have always done it the same way. And so that vulnerability is not necessarily something that is, that is showcased or kind of celebrated. How are we gonna build this back in and why is it gone? Uh, I have so many answers to that question. Um, the <laughs> The um, social movement scholar in me has very different answers yeah, than yeah. than the sort of academic labor slash um, faculty centered uh, colleague answer. Which I'll say um, first, it's it's just hard to sit with students' discomfort. Yeah, this has happened to me before. Okay in the class, in the experiential and community engaged classroom where students, um, and, and I'll often like email well in advance, you know, get ready, this is a mm -hmm. community engaged section. This is gonna be like nothing you've probably ever experienced before. But even after giving them those warnings, um, they it, they don't really understand the difference of it until they're living through it because yeah. they've never encountered it or have it to articulate. And so, you know, I've had conversations with students where I've given them an intentionally ambiguous prompt mm -hmm. that they must struggle through because that's part yeah. of the learning that you are promoting in them. And like Nicole said, we're trying to get them to drive, we're handing the keys to the car over and they're gonna be driving that yeah. car. So we've gotta make sure, yeah. you know, that, that they're doing a good job with it. And so I will set them up with these intentionally ambiguous instructions and they look at me like, 
um, they don't know what to do with mm -hmm. that and they don't know what to do with me because I've asked them to do this. Yeah. So they sometimes will kind of giggle or chatter with each other yes. like, what is she what is she up to? Yeah. And at one point, you know, I'll I'll use question and answer format in the classroom. You know, someone was like um, looking at me funny and I said, oh, do I sound like a therapist? And they're like, yeah, you kind of do. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, good. Then I'm leading you through the question and answer yeah. thought process that you might start to internalize for yourself. I think that it's sometimes easier in the busyness of our day as teachers who are full, you know, full embodied people, we're tired, we've got all this stuff going on at home that, and around the office mm -hmm. and the various things we're trying to juggle, mm -hmm. it's just easier to bank, right? Like it's just easier to say multiple choice quiz, here you go, I can feel like you've got your money's worth mm -hmm. for the day, check the box and we're done. Mm -hmm. But really, um, really the, the wrestling through and giving them the ability to fail. Mm -hmm. Like here, here's what it feels like to fail in a safe way and be accountable for your work, right? That sense of embodiedness that Nicole was talking about too changes the stake yeah. in the knowledge, changes the stake in the work. Yeah. So I don't know if that. No, no, no. You make me. Th I mean, you're just. It's just making me think about all of this, right? And you're. And you're. You know, we've talked about the appetite that our students have for this or not this. Do they want to just have that regurgitation of knowledge? And when you make them feel a little bit uncomfortable, they're not used to it. But I think about my own kids and the kind of pedagogy that happens in a K through 12 system, not in Denver, but I mean across our society, right, really in mm -hmm. our country, yeah. it continues to be that, right? The objectives that have to be met, the assessment has set that up, right? The, yeah. the, the conclusions we are trying to draw, the only way we can get to them is by regurgitating knowledge and hoping right. that they retain it. It's so interesting that in graduate school, you learn to learn, right? You have these more intimate, vulnerable conversations with your colleagues your professors teach you like equals um the outcome is not necessarily getting you through to a four-year degree you know i mean i think most grad programs they want to see how good you are at this right it opens up a different kind of conversation it sounds like what so much of what you are doing is re-implementing that openness that vulnerability that relation relationality but in the undergraduate classroom is that right it's the art of learning. Yeah. And I will yeah. say, I think, I know this is not about arts education, but in K through 12, arts education is where we learn how to think in abstract ways where there's no right or wrong answer. Right. You're mm -hmm. encouraged to express yourself mm -hmm. with direction, with tools, but you, you're encouraged to create something new out of it. Those are electives. Those mm -hmm. are optional, right? Yeah. We That's need that kind of learning, that kind of thinking. Yeah. in order to create new things, right? And so, yes, there is, I had that conversation at my 8 a.m. class today. It got mm -hmm. super awkward. And I mm -hmm. said, this is, this is the struggle. This, what we're experiencing right now, is the struggle. This is where learning happens. Yeah. Yeah. If I told you how to do this, you would not remember it. You yeah. doing it and you suffering through yeah. it, you will have that knowledge for the rest of your life. That is the conversation I had. Yeah. But that awkwardness, it's rough. It feels uncomfortable. Yeah. We sit with it. We talk about it. But after that, 
things become so much easier because that intrinsic motivation comes back. And they're empowered mm -hmm. to create. They're empowered with their knowledge. Mm -hmm. With that struggle comes that confidence. There's that one article that we'll share with the group, and I'm forgetting what it's called. It's this one from the DU thing, where mm -hmm. they're talking about civic leadership and all mm -hmm. of that. And they yeah. talk about the student stories when they went into the schools, and they're sort of, I don't want to call them disaster stories, but they're struggles mm -hmm. they had working with the students and then acknowledging them and reflecting on them. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where they said that's where the learning happened. Yeah. As you're talking about arts education, I know you said a hell of a lot more there, right? But I'm kind of thinking, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. having a two and a half year old, I'm thinking about mm. what she's learning in preschool, mm. like, or daycare, I guess, but half. It's creative. Think like you celebrate yeah. the creativeness and the art making and the messiness. And then we just kind of stop doing it. Sit in your chair. Right? Don't no, move. we Listen seriously to do. <laughs> two is two is four, yes. not five. Yes. You're yes. wrong. You're wrong. Tell me, Christina. Yes. You alluded to this a little bit when we talked last, but what made you two think that not that there would be an appetite for this, not just for faculty, but for our students? What made you think? Not necessarily that they needed it, but they wanted it. Yeah. I, well, I think having taught um, community-engaged syllabi from my first semester as a roadrunner okay. in the fall of 2020. Oh, that was um, yeah. Because before I left, I was at the University of Denver for 15 years um, before coming to MSU Denver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and had started to set up some of the scaffolding for the work I would be doing in environmental communication and now in COM 1100, mm -hmm. which is foundations of communication, general studies, uh, community-engaged general studies, let's go. Yeah. Um, but we, we were, um, we built the class, uh, I built the class as an asynchronous class with, um, and then there was this group of students that demanded synchronous meetings with me, which I loved. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, okay, Amazing. this is how this is going to work. All right, let's go. And they had owned their learning um, more mm. than most other students yeah. that I have worked with, certainly um, more than many of the students that I had worked with at DU. They, they, wanted synchronous meetings. I said, all right. So I built it into the structure of the class and created a community-engaged project. And we did, um, we broke it down into different pieces. We were doing one of the methods of community-engaged uh, projects, which is um, from DU's uh, Center on Community-Engaged Scholarship and Learning, mm -hmm. um, which is a wonderful resource. And I was really grateful to have worked with Anda Prince and several okay. staff members over there before I left DU. Okay. Okay. Um, but it's known as research, where you are kind of putting the class into the service of creating research on a research question of mutual interest okay. between your class and your community partner. Uh -huh. So having worked with Denver Public Schools Sustainability, mm -hmm. um, we decided to create a survey that would provide a baseline on what were the attitudes and practices of sustainability mm -hmm. and environmental education in the district. 
and I divided the class up into teams. We had one team perform the literature review. So this was where I really got to know a lot more about environmental and sustainability education. Mm -hmm. um, we had another team uh, create the survey and then another team collect and analyze the data from the survey. And so it was, it was like, if we can do this yeah. in the fall of 2020 in an asynchronous online class with optional uh, Teams meetings, mm -hmm. and we did have DPS Sustainability came to present and talk to us a lot throughout the process. They're a wonderful team of people. They're so passionate about mm -hmm. what they do and so passionate about education. Mm -hmm. And I think passionate about community engagement and experiential learning, mm -hmm. right? So they fit right in to the method and conversation we were having. And it was like, if we can do this, if, if my students at MSU Denver are showing me in the worst of circumstances for learning that this is what they want, then yeah, I think there is a definite appetite on this campus from our students for this type of learning. Yeah, go ahead. I can expand on that. Yeah, so for sure. We did this video, it was a video project, but it wasn't, it was a meeting project called Making Space, where we got mm -hmm. together people, um, students from different departments, faculty from different departments, mm -hmm. and we addressed a problem, okay. some mm -hmm. sort of problem that they saw in the community. Yeah. And it was amazing to hear their ideas and their experiences and to hear and give each yeah. of them agency to speak and listen to one another. Mm -hmm. And then their appetite for addressing those issues as a group mm -hmm. and it was incredible mm -hmm. to witness that yeah. and I think in the arts you know we, we talk about things a lot when we do a piece of choreography it's usually related to something we're going to or something we're thinking about and people are aware there are a lot of problems out there yeah. right now yeah. but they don't feel helpless yeah. within those problems they feel as if they want to do something mm -hmm. it's giving them the foundation to give them the confidence to, to work towards I don't want to say solving the problem, addressing the problem, acknowledging the problem. Just knowing the problem. The problem. <laughs> Just right. knowing what the What are we trying exactly, to solve? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But it's yeah. those discussions, that sense of agency, that confidence, they're hungry for mm -hmm. it. And we were all alone for a long time. We had a lot of time to think, so mm -hmm. maybe a little bit too much. Now it's time for action. Yeah. So yeah. these classes, they give you that format of, you know, it's mm -hmm. that intrinsic motivation thing. You have the autonomy, you have the confidence, which the confidence that comes from that research, and then you have the purpose, the mm -hmm. relatedness. It yeah. all comes from self-determination theory, right? You need those three elements, those psychological elements, to be intrinsically motivated mm -hmm. to do something. Mm -hmm. So if you do that in the course of a class, work on their autonomy, um, work on their competence, their research skills, all of that, and then you, you move towards action, but that's relating yeah. your knowledge to the greater community. Yeah. So this is all reminding me um, you know, at least here, but I would at most institutions, telling faculty that they have a role in retention they need to be actively engaged in is not always the most politically correct thing to say, right? I am doing this, I'm in the classroom, I am retaining students. But what I am so fascinated with when it comes to this topic is that this kind of experiential learning has been proven over and over again that it leads to retention and yep. leads to better graduation rates, yep. right? It's what students yeah. need. They yeah. want that connection. So, <laughs> knowing that, no, you're fine, you're fine. I was just, I'm just, I, no, no, I'm just being, I'm, I'm, I'm fidgety, I'm fidgety, right? How, how do you plan to 
use this as the building block to a larger kind of commitment to experiential learning for our institution, right? This is the beginning. But I'm guaranteeing you there's going to be people in there that want to join the club, right, and be on board with you two leading this movement. What's, what, what, are the, what do you want, right? What do you want from this? We want to share information okay. and share our experiences because if, if we do spread it, it takes on a life of its own, yeah. right? It just needs those catalysts in different areas. And yeah. so I yeah. think with us, with the faculty learning community, that's what we hope to do. We hope to share information. We yeah. still have a lot to learn. This is still, you know, every, we always have a lot to learn, yeah. right? That's yeah. why you're supposed to be teachers or professors. I, mean, I don't like that word anymore <laughs> at all. Oh my goodness. But, and then, you know, there's people from different departments that are joining us, then they become the catalyst within it, you yeah. know, and it just keeps on spreading because once you try this, you don't go back because again, yeah. it builds yeah. that motivation. And that's the hardest thing about being in a classroom yeah. is keeping that engagement level. I love the yeah. idea of getting people together who are of like mind when it comes to this. I think, I mean, I, we haven't even talked about Bridget, but like this is, she's already implemented so much of this since just being here, right? Yeah. The scholarship of yeah, teaching and learning. So awesome. and the, Yeah, Amazing. I mean, love right. love yeah. I can't wait to tell her that we need to start rethinking our spec or our teaching evaluations because that's, that's the next thing, right? Because um, <laughs> she's done a ton of research yes. on that. So yes. um, that'll yes. be interesting. But um, okay, let's, let's, we're, we're, we're just at 30. I want to make sure we get all of uh, the information that we need to get to. What do you want to co – let's talk about how people sign up first, right? Then okay. we'll talk about what they're going to learn. Yeah. What are you going to cover? So we're, we're starting the scheduling conversation this week. Okay. But um, we're happy to have people email okay. uh, cfaust2 at msudenver.edu, okay. and that is Faust with an O, not with an A. C-Faust 2? C-Faust and the number 2. Okay. Yep. All right. And I'll put that in the show notes. Yep. And we um, are happy to take people. And that's the other point that I guess I want people to know, along with this building community uh, piece that Nicole is, is describing here. This isn't, this isn't like... I don't, I know it's cliche. This isn't like a rocket science. Like this, it feels, it is a heavy lift at first when you're first doing it, especially if you're a control freak like me. Yeah. Um, but I've got lots of ways, if you are a control freak, to gently let go of your type anus okay. and, and loosen it up a little. Okay. Um, I think that, you know, aligning this with your work will create such synergies between teaching, research, and service mm. that it is a joy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like Nicole said, you once you start you can't stop it's yeah. like you start you know whatever it is i think i see becomes community engagement yeah. Yeah. Everything, i mean everything. that's like yeah. where i'm at at this point yeah. even even in my classes that are not community engaged classes i find myself sneaking in little bits of it's like totally influenced mm -hmm. by mm -hmm. my community engaged work so it's really um it's really bringing what you're already doing in the classroom, your learning objectives, yeah. into alignment with what your community partner oh, needs. needs. And so, and the, this was actually one of the big themes that came out of what was the qualitative research project okay. that expanded off the quantitative one that we did, 
um, where we're interviewing um, teachers and administrators. And over and over again, these champions of environmental education are saying that um, we confronted them with the idea that time is the biggest issue. And they said, well, yes and no, because mm -hmm. it's not just one more thing to do, mm -hmm. right? Like if you view this as just one more thing, oh, got to volunteer in the community now, yeah, I know. Yeah. But if you rather view it in alignment with what you're doing, yes. it's not one more thing, no. but it's actually aligning your work with the work of um, your community partner. And that's, I, you know, I don't know if I answered the no. question on the difference between service learning and community engagement and why I personally prefer community engaged mm -hmm. learning as the term. Service learning um, is typically a combination of community service plus learning plus reflection. Mm -hmm. And so it's often built around this kind of volunteer model of getting the students to be doing unpaid work on behalf of or in the community, which can be really great, right? right. It can have the same transformative benefits that you're describing. Yeah. Community engagement is maybe a wider scope where um, it's built around comprehensive and reciprocal community partnerships. So community partnerships that are mutually, um, this work will be mutually beneficial to your students and the community partner. And as my work with DPS Sustainability and now the Auraria Sustainable Campus Program, mm -hmm. which is kind of like campus engaged versus community engaged, yeah. but hey, it's really great work and yeah. I love the ASCP, they're awesome. Um, this is truly a reciprocal and full comprehensive partnership. We have conversations from the ground level yeah. about how we could, how I could be setting up the class, how we could be yeah. setting up a partnership and a project that is mutually beneficial to meeting my learning outcomes, meeting their needs, yeah. and grounding it all in experiential learning. So it's, it's work that is a bit of a heavy lift at first, but once you get practiced in alignment, it is such a joy. Amazing. And collaborative and relationship. And building. you have support because you're not doing it alone. And that's yeah. the thing. You're reminded that you're not in this vacuum. I think it's, um, I don't know. Uh, we separate ourselves. This is. I'm just fascinated, by the way, by all of this, and this is an opportunity for the for for our university to be more, you know, connected to our community. We there is an appetite for this just in our community over across Spear. I mean, mm -hmm. when uh, uh, Devika and I went to Denver Startup Week and we talked about internships yeah. and this kind of stuff. I mean, every and, and our folks from the C2 Hub came with us. It was a panel. Everybody wanted to know, like, what yeah. they want. Now, I don't want to use your students, right? That's not what right. they're doing. Right. But for, this is a little different, right? Because you're talking kind of, you know, nonprofit stuff. But something we have kind of not necessarily overlooked, but not necessarily taken advantage of is that there are a lot of startups and businesses over there that would love to get engaged with our students. Yeah. because it allows them to have a pipeline when they have to hire positions. And if they know that they can trust our students, if our students have a head start in that job, right. they're going to be totally willing to do that. You know, yeah. Financially, it's better than tr spending you know, four months orientating and training somebody. And I think we have to, like, there's just so many opportunities for this uh, to excel, whether that's in nonprofits, whether it's in, in public school, or whether it's in uh, you know, for-profit companies. And I think 
I just love that there is pedagogical research backing it up to yeah. show that it works. Yeah. So that's, that's my go. I it works in the education system, but it works in building careers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, what yeah. more could mm -hmm. you ask for? Because that's the thing is, when you're in school, that's the thing when they talk about retention. Yeah. People have figured out that if they yeah. go to school and they're just learning something that's already in a book or on Google, why are you yeah. paying so much money? Yeah. It's yeah. not that's important. It's the it's the divergent thinking skills. It's critical thinking skills. That that takes practice. Yes. Yeah. And that's what we're here to do, yes. right? Yeah. And that's what builds individuals and yeah. builds careers. That's yeah. So I'm going to tell everybody, email you yes. if interested. Yes. We'll get some information out in the early bird about this, and there'll be more coming. Um, this is – this. Uh, I, I just want to get as many people as possible to this thing, right? Like this needs to be funded some way, right, to get a – this is different than the Office of Service Learning, right, that we used to have. This is this – is, I think, I think um, we kind of got away a little bit from having those kind of engaged – assignments or projects in class to get our students out there to get partners out there and so I think I'm really excited to see where this goes you two are extremely like excited about it right yes I mean you're jazzed yes. <laughs> that's what we were saying we we're talking we we're planning yeah. this year because this is happening over a full year yeah. and then Christina said what are we going to do next what's our next yeah. round what are we going to do the year yeah. after how do we yeah. build yeah. on this and so yeah. this is something that we're not giving up on it's yeah. it's again we've both said it once you start you don't stop yeah. because you realize and you're so fed by it it's sort yeah. of it's the glue that connects all the parts yeah. of our job together our job and also our own personal yes. goals I guess I can only speak for myself my own personal yeah. goals and my research yeah. and um, what keeps me fired up to be here at MSU and being inspired by my students every day yeah. did we cover all the ground we needed to I want to make sure everybody knows we're good. You had a long list. Yes, I did. I did. And I, I would just say, you know, th that community engaged in service learning is not just sending your students out to pick up trash, yeah. even though that's really important, right? Yeah. Um, it's not just sending your students out to volunteer, but it is finding these mutually beneficial reciprocal relationships yes. between what you're doing in the classroom and what your community partner yeah. needs. And in that alignment comes so many benefits to learning. Um, and like you said, to student retention and just student, you know, students leaving knowing that they've done these projects, yeah. right? Like We've talked a lot about yeah. students, and I know we, I, we'll wrap it up, but like yeah. I was also thinking, um, I don't know if it's because of what we studied growing up, right? Or I don't know if it was the same in dance, but critical literary theory that kind of critical study we are so bad at looking at opportunities for research like the low-hanging fruit like like social sciences is so good at sharing data sets right and mm. sharing qualitative data and i feel yeah. like we're not you know so i'm very excited about the opportunity for faculty to see research in these kinds of things you can do rhetorical scholarship on the connections between people, right, outside in the community group. There's nothing wrong with that. But also, you know, Nick Recker in sociology could do the same thing. It's just, I, it, it hopefully expands these opportunities for us to look creatively about our research and, and think about, again, the low-hanging fruit, not because of any kind of research, uh, increased research expectation, but I think it's a, we, it's, it's a way to kind of reframe um, the value that you might be able to generate from these kind of partnerships. So, 
Yes. Does that make sense? It does. It totally makes yeah. sense. It does. It yeah. puts knowledge um, that that old <laughs> old Foucault chestnut yes, about yes. how knowledge is for cutting, right? Yes. Like, but yes. it's true. Like yeah. it is. It is meant to cut up in yeah. smaller chunks, but also to cut through to a new space of being, yeah. mm-hmm. not just to get me another publication Correct. and get me on the cover of the Rolling Stone yes. in my discipline, yes. right? Like, this is not what knowledge is for. This is not why we do it. And if you're passionate about it, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's the beauty mm-hmm. of this, is that it, that research does not have to feel like work, right? I think that yeah. that's those who, you know, write so much and do all that, they're passionate about it. Right? And I think that, that this is an opportunity to do that. But uh, Christina, Nicole, thank you so much. Thank you. We did it. Thank you. We did we it. Did and it. Yes. yes. And there'll did. be more. This is just yes, round this is start. one of yes. this, this, this arena. So stay yes. tuned, everybody. We will uh, share this information. I will put Dr. Faust's email in the show notes and uh, reach out and get involved and, and start making your class a little bit um, more lively maybe, perhaps. So thank you, too. Thank you. Thank you.